This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Yes, that's right. It is Mayor's Day here on the Simi Sarah Show. And my co-host for the rest of the show today is the Mayor of Delta, George Harvey. Mayor Harvey, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a great day and a great experience to be here. Can I call you George for today? You sure can. I said this to uh, Mayor Kennedy Stewart. I said only for today, though. After that, then I'll go back to calling you Mayor Harvey. Same what I get at home. No respect. (laughs) Is that the case? Well, we're going to have to talk about that at some point. Uh, You've got a lot to talk about when it comes to Delta today. I I don't know what took you so long to be on our Mayor's Day, but I guess you are new to the job. How's it been going? I'm new to the job and I've been around a long time. Yeah. And so it's going very, very well. And we're working on our election promises on our platform. And uh, we've done great work to date. What do you think it was? Like, what made the difference for you? Like, when you got elected, what, what did people want? Uh, people wanted uh, commitments that were made during the election to actually come true. And uh, say, in the first uh, couple of meetings of council, we initiated uh, our promises and went through those, and they have resonated very well with the community. So, um, and, we're, and as a council, we're working well together. My first job was, you know, the election's over, let's all get together. And uh, fortunately, I've got a great council, and we are working together. Delta's a really um, unique community too, though, isn't it? We were talking about that here. I mean, I've, I lived there for 20 years, but a lot of people don't even know, don't realize that, well, yeah, there's North Delta, there's South Delta, Tawas and Ladner. There's all these unique communities that make up one municipality. And I've lived in Delta for almost over 40 years. Um, but uh, when I came from Burnaby, I was in Burnaby for 30 years. The last 10 is their deputy city manager. And when I came home to Delta, um, I knew it was separate communities, but until you actually start working or experience it, it's a different model. You really have to be at the top of your game to ensure all the communities are being treated equally. Yeah. And they always feel that in North Delta, don't they? Because like separated by Burns Bog, but City Hall's over in South Delta and Ladner there. What do you do about that divide? Well, I really noticed that as we were door knocking. We door knocked about 7,000 homes, both South Delta and North Delta. And it was a great experience and it's a great learning you can do all the social media you want. Nothing beats knocking a door and talking to people face-to-face. And so what we did was, you, first of all, I, I realized, and I've always wanted to do this, is to have every other council meeting in North Delta. Oh. It shows respect. And we need to you know, bring local government to North Delta, not expect them to take that long drive in some very dark, rainy or snowy nights down to Ladner. So that's gone over very well. And we have good attendance. And again, every other council meeting will be in North Delta. We're just getting ready in September to open up a new performing arts centre in North Delta. When I first started 20 years ago as a city manager, when you looked at square footages of recreational facilities, North Delta was way behind. Yeah, We were now catching up, and the performing arts centre is probably one of the finest accomplishments to bring an arts centre to that community. It's also going to double serve as a council chamber. Oh, and because we have foldaways uh, like uh, amphitheater seats, yeah, and so really looking forward to opening that up and having the North Delta residents experience more culture and also comfortable meeting space for council. The whole issue of community centers, I find, is such a big one these days because it has, I think, been overlooked for a long time how significant community centers can be. Is Delta playing catch up there too? Do you need more community, upgraded community facilities? Absolutely, and I think every community does. It's not just Delta, but uh, we have a good plan. And uh, one of the, um, we're doing mandate letters from the mayor to our various committees. And the mandate letter for the Parks Commission is to review uh, areas that we feel need to be now uh, invested in more, especially in the Tawasin area for Windskill. And yeah, also Windskill's Ladner. so old. It's old, and we have Southlands opening, uh, you know, 1,000 units opening up there, which I'm very proud of. 
our farmland that was part of the deal, 80% of the land comes to Delta, 20% is developed. The farmland looks wonderful. Does it? And I, this was farmland where the previous people said it could never be farmed. I was just going to say that this is Southlands we're talking about here. This is, uh, that land was the subject of, was it still the longest public hearing that was ever held when it was the Spetafor lands? Thank goodness I wasn't involved in. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a long time. it was very contentious. It was the longest, it is the longest public hearing in Canadian history. Wow. And when I took on the file, I've had other city managers say, you're crazy. You know, what are you doing this for towards the end of your career? But I wanted to see if we could heal the community. And uh, we did. And uh, 80% of the land, you know, was a hard negotiations, plus $9 million in a reserve to activate the farm that the owners let go. And so that was only a fair thing to ask. Right. But uh, we're, I say it's coming in great shape and it's really starting to take notice. Wow. Okay. We got a lot to talk about. You got a casino coming up in Delta. You know, we're going to talk about that. I expect that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, there's going to be a lot of questions about that. People will have their chance to uh, weigh in. But before we take a commercial break here, George, would you say you're very good at Delta history? Do you know your Delta facts? Questionable. Oh, really? Ask me something about economics or budgets or something. Oh, I don't know. No, we're going to ask you about Delta history. In fact, that's going to be I saw coming. that on the list here and go, oh, <laughs> no. Yes, Delta Mayor George Harvey is with us. And you looked a little bit apprehensive when I said we were going to be giving you a bit of a Delta quiz. <laughs> go ahead. Really? You, yeah. know, you know your Delta history. Come on. What, would, what is the significant, uh, what, what do you say is the most historical thing in Delta, in your opinion? people came out to Delta, what should they go see? Historical? Yeah. I would say the just re, um, redone, refurbished uh, original municipal hall. It was actually the police station. Oh, It was yeah. on the corner, and it was in deteriorating state. And it was where the old museum used to be. I remember, yeah. And there was very little space in there. But we have uh, renewed that building, keeping the same heritage character, of course. We've put an elevator in. We opened it uh, last summer. And uh, I would say that's the first one to, to see. What we've done is we've actually put our community police station there and also a bike squad. And that's right in downtown Ladner, right? Downtown Ladner, and it's gone over very well, but also public washrooms, which were really needed in that oh, area. Yeah. So can I tell people as well to go to my favorite sushi place, which is right across the street from and there? They might see me there. <laughs> <laughs> see us there, too. Okay. Let's talk about Boundary Bay Airport. Now, very significant in Delta, right? Boundary Bay Airport. Let me ask you, George, how many takeoffs and landings do you think there are every year approximately at Boundary Bay Airport? I can tell you it's the busiest uh, uh, movement airport in Canada. That's true. So did I get half right? You got half right. But give me an estimate if you, how many takeoffs. I forget. I look at that figure a lot, but I just forget it. I know it's hundreds a day. 200,000. Over the year. Yeah. Yeah. That's like huge. I'm surprised, I was surprised to find that number because, like, that's a really that's a very busy airport. You know, when I first started in Delta, one of the first tasks I had was to do something about the Boundary Bay Airport. The operator of the day, this is back in uh, 2003, um, was actually about two million dollars in arrears, and I couldn't understand how he could be in arrears and not lose his property. Whereas you and I or anybody else, if we're five hundred dollars in arrears, the property goes up for sale. Right. And so, to make a long story short, we went to court. We got uh, we have a new we had a new uh, person come in. We took over the airport. A new person came in. It was Fred Kaiser, Alpha Aviation, and they've transformed that airport into just one of the top airports, private city airports in Canada. And the uh, activity there and the industrial development uh, is just ex- exceptional. And our tax base has grown immensely due to the redevelopment of the airport. Well, that's how busy it is. 200,000 takeoffs and landings every year. Okay, I'm going to give you an easy one here. So, you know, communities have sister cities, 
right? Everybody has a sister city. Delta is sister city with which city in India? Mangalore. Oh, good job. It's okay. I was there. I was there. (laughs) Did you get to go? Is that how you? I was there. Oh, okay. And uh, it was amazing. Uh, Mayor Jackson of the day was there and uh, she she was just swarmed by people. Really? Yeah. It was an amazing thing to see and experience. And I was fortunate enough to go with my wife and good friends to India last year for a month. And we saw, we went out everywhere. And the Taj Mahal, I must say, when I saw the Taj Mahal, when you went through the arches, I teared up. It was so absolutely incredible. So did I. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. I just told this story a couple of weeks ago on the air. I said, with the, I never thought I was going to see it in my lifetime. And then that first moment when you come around the corner and you see it there, I had the exact same reaction. I'm so glad it's not just me. Okay, we have another question for you here, George. According to the 2016 census, how many people live in Delta? What, 103,000? You're, you're very close. 102,238. That's pretty good. I mean, I remember back in the days when Delta was like 70,000, 80,000 people. That's, that's right. had a lot of growth. That's right. Would you say that's the last 10 years or so? I wouldn't say it's a lot of growth when you compare us to other cities. Um, but you know, we have grown, and it's a good thing. Uh, we need to, you know, it, it keeps our schools filled, um, brings in re- communities refreshing with new people. Another thing I noticed when I mentioned I was door knocking was a number of younger children in our community, North Delta and in South Delta. And it's really great to see. You see them playing on the streets like my kids were. So we're refreshing, which is a great thing to have. Okay, so one of the uh, very famous names in Delta, of course, is George Massey, right? Massey Tunnel, everybody knows that. Uh, George Massey moved to Canada from which country? I think it was Germany. No. No. It was Ireland. Ireland. Okay, oh, that was yeah. way out on that one. A little bit. General area. General area. You had Europe. that part right. <laughs> you had Europe right. Just a little bit over to the left a little bit. Uh, how big is Delta? We'll take it in square kilometers or square miles. Do you know the approximate size Not of Delta? Not the approximate, but we are one of the largest land-based cities in Metro Vancouver. That's true. And that's why when people say we have uh, per capita more fire, more police, we have to because of the distance traveled between uh, emergencies. 180 square kilometers. That's pretty big. Is that because like Burns Bog is well right in the middle of it, right? Burns Bog's 5,500 acres. And one, uh, one of the things I'm very proud of was I, I sat on the, uh, as Delta's uh, person, the lead, lead person for negotiations of the bog. And uh, that's one of my highlights of my career and accomplishments is the purchase of the Burns Bog into public hands. Right. It must be challenging, though, for the community. You have this huge, the lungs of the lower mainland, right in the middle of your municipality. Uh, and it's a very popular place for people to go, but also challenging, like we saw with a couple of wildfires as well. Yes, and uh, that 2005 fire was uh, one which we were very close to losing that and having it go into the interface, as they call it, in the North Delta residential area. Yeah. And we couldn't figure out why we couldn't put the fire couldn't be suppressed. We had the Mars bombers in and helicopters. And it wasn't until our firefighters and Delta work crews got in there and realized it was burning tires. They were buried and left abandoned when the peat mines closed. Uh, they used to put the tires on top of the peat, have the little rail carts going yeah. across, and that's what caused all that tremendous black smoke and the fire to keep going. And we had a, one just a few years ago. Yeah, and I uh, that. thanks to Chief Copeland, who was now Councillor Copeland, uh, was Fire Chief of the Day, and they did a tremendous job of knocking that down. We actually had to close the SFPR for about three days. I remember that. So is that always going to be a challenge? Is that something you have to be super careful of? Um, that's why we have equipment for uh, that type of fire response. Yeah. And uh, our staff are very well trained. And we actually, 
when there when there's calls for help up in the, the north and Penticton, you know Penticton, Okanagan, and those areas, our, our firefighters go. And it's also great training for them, but it's also our responsibility to help our neighbors. Yeah, true. Okay, a couple more questions for you here. Is household income in Delta higher or lower than the Canadian average? I think it's higher. Yeah, you're right. Well, you had a 50-50 chance on that one, right? <laughs> Pretty good answer. Yes, it is higher. In what year was Delta incorporated? I can tell you what year we became a city. What year? Well, that was recently. That was very recently. Because I remember it being uh, the corporation of Delta for a very long time. Oh, and I always wanted to change that, and I finally uh, council agreed. Um, now it's the city of Delta, It's the right? city of Delta, and we are a city. Okay, what year was that? Uh, that was about four years ago. Yeah, so you don't remember when it was actually incorporated? No. 1879. Okay. That's a lot of history, though. It's tremendous history. And the uh, four, you know, the people that were involved in those days, they, they did a great job. They mapped out and got some tremendous property for us. And whoever was responsible for Annis's Island being part of Delta, I'd like to buy them supper. Why? Taxes. Oh, <laughs> you're like ka-ching. ka-ching. absolutely. The tax base of the like the industrial, all the businesses and things yeah, there? It's one of the reasons that we can keep our, our tax increases low. Is, and as you know, we're now debt-free. We celebrated being debt-free last year. And when I first started, we were 60 to 65 million in external debt. And we have no debt now, which allows us to put more money back into the community. But the reason we can do that is because we have Tilbury and Anasis Island industrial bases. Okay, we'll have to find out for you then who actually proposed that. Um, do you say Tawasson or Sawasson? So, uh, Tawasson. You say Tawasson, right? I it's say just Tawasson. habit. It is. Well, everybody, I, you know, but I, every time I hear Sawasson, I want to ask people, where are you from? Are you Because Tawasson is what you say if you're from here. How many W's are there in Tawasson? He's thinking. I feel like he's mentally spelling it in his head right here. <laughs> Come on. You're, you're supposed to be asking me other stuff. You know? No, this is good. Come on. How many W's are there in Tawasson? There's two. That's right. See, that wasn't so hard, was it? Uh, no, I, I had had the guest here hold up his fingers. Oh, you had your helper. Did you? You have a helper here with That's you. Right. That's right. Uh, what is bigger, Burns Bog or Stanley Park? I think Burns Bog is. You're absolutely right yeah. about that. Eight times yeah. bigger. In that case, do you think that there's more room for like, I know people love to go in Burns Bog. Is there more room to allow people to get in there and experience more of Burns Bog? You know, when we uh, when we did the negotiations and set up the terms of agreement for the operation, and that was between the province, Metro Vancouver and Delta, there was only one person I listened to, and that was the scientists. And it was their recommendation because the sensitivity of the bog, uh, there's species there that are you can't be found anywhere else in the world that the public could be excluded. And I think over time, uh, with proper messaging and communications and education, the public understands why they shouldn't be allowed in. Uh, but we do have the Burns Bog Society running a very good programs on a side of the bog oh, that is amazing. open to the public. And uh, I'm, what I'd like to do, and I'm, we're setting up meetings now, is, and I talked to them before I, I left being city manager, is see if we can do a better area for them to go to, which is better for accessibility and uh, would be provide more of a better experience. So that's something I want to work on during my term. Well, if there's one thing that really to defines to me living in Delta, it's that you either are very familiar with the Massey Tunnel or the Alex Fraser Bridge. Would you agree with me on that one? Yeah, absolutely. One or the other. Well, if, actually, maybe Point Roberts, too. That's true. Those are the three things. Uh, the Massey Tunnel has been a pretty hot point of discussion for the last couple of years now. We know that uh, this government put the brakes on that planned 10-lane bridge to replace the Massey Tunnel. Uh, that was, what, a year and a half ago now? Right, you're going to have to go about that, yeah. And so we're talking about the replacement. What kind of replacement do you think we need there? 
Well, it's interesting. And uh, what I wanted to do as mayor was bring the other mayors of the 99 corridor together. And up to that point, uh, Delta was voice was very much on its own. And I, fortunately, I've been able to do that. And uh, just recently, a letter did go to the premier collectively giving the uh, the what the mayors of the 99 corridor, Vancouver, Richmond, Delta, Surrey and White Rock, and also our First Nations. They're involved and have to be involved right at the beginning. That was the Tawasin First Nations and the Musqueam First Nations. And so we have lifted out the principles. And one thing that we do not want to see is any structure, and it's the provincial structure that we're talking about, any structure can't touch the river. If it touches the river, it's going to be a federal environmental assessment. And a federal environmental assessment, and we confirmed this when we were back in Ottawa, it'll take between five to seven years and quite possibly, because of the risk to the fishery industries and the concerns of the First Nations, it could be a big no. Okay, well then how was that bridge under construction before? Uh, the, the original bridge did not touch the river. It spanned ah. over. Okay. Some of the options that the uh, provincial uh, uh, consultant did on his review included uh, shortening the spans and things like that. Um, but collectively, we would like to see uh, other options and other options that don't touch the river. The other thing is when we do the timeline, even if it was approved and gone through the proper assessments and community consultation, we're looking at 2030. It's just for it to be finished? For it to be finished. And that's as if, if everything goes well. And the longer it's delayed, we're going past 2030. And as we know, and I don't know where Vancouver, I'm going to be in 2030, but it might not be in a car. Well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Well, it's also nothing's going to go well. We know that. It's no, always a bumpy does. ride to get yeah. these big projects approved, yeah. right? And we do have, uh, you know, the, the federal infrastructure fund that's available, and uh, we're hoping that the province would uh, would apply for that, and that's what the letter states also. And the letter will be on our website in, in a couple of days for the public to to see. But we need to keep pressing in, on the province uh, that we need a solution. It's their asset, but we need a solution that's going to have it the quickest turn around to relieving the congestion. Were you in favor of the bridge? As a staffer, I, I was supporting uh, Mayor Jackson's request. And now as mayor, I also see the need to look at why the other cities weren't weren't in favor. Uh, we could say we'll build a 10-lane bridge and then be proud of ourselves for removing the congestion at the tunnel site. Um, but it's just going to back up in Vancouver. Thank, told, you. Thank totally, you, George. I've been saying that for years. I totally respect the City of Vancouver's opinion uh, with regards to not turning Oak Street into an extension of 99. Richmond had the, the design for the interchange at the Stevenson exit. It looked like an L.A. type of, of uh, interchange. I, I really see why they had problems with that. And Mayor Walker and, and, uh, and, and Mayor McCallum, they're supportive because they want to see their people have a reliable means of getting to work uh, north of the river. We, and that's, those are the areas that are growing. Yeah. And people say, well, it'll uh, actually bring more development to Delta. We're fortunately protected by the Agricultural Land Reserve. There's so, only so much development that can happen in Delta. That's right. So then what would you like to see there? What do you think will work? Well, there's a number of options that really weren't looked at uh, before. Uh, in order that it doesn't touch the river, you have to look at other, how you do that. Um, I, I do not want, I want, what we have consensus on is, is a three-lane bridge, sorry, three lanes in each direction, plus two dedicated lanes for rapid transit. We have to have, the day this new asset opens, an approved rapid bus, eventually light rail connection. And when I sit on the Mayor's Council, and I was saying this yesterday, we need to ensure, as we go to the public doing these big mega projects, which I do support, is that there's, it needs to be a map saying it's part of the puzzle to connect the whole region. And so that's what I want to see. This is an asset that you do not want to rebuild some other 
additional asset because it was forgotten about, but make sure it has the ability to connect to the regional projects 20 or 30 years down the road. Okay, so you're saying one option then could be what, a six-lane bridge or well, an what, eight-lane bridge? Well, we've, uh, we've agreed to six lanes. Okay. Uh, plus two dedicated for initially rapid bus uh, and eventually light rail. It's got to be engineered so that the light rail is available. Okay. And uh, talking to the engineers that are involved in this, they say quite easily light rail could be right down 99. Um, what we need to improve the reliability is more buses, and also that will yes. get people out of the cars. But people want to get out of the cars, especially yes, the do. younger people. My daughter commutes to City of Vancouver every day, and she wants to get out of the car. Yeah. But because you're waiting sometimes 30 to 35 minutes. Well, in Delta you are for the bus. For yeah. the bus. And also in cases of uh, River Rock where they're catching uh, the connector uh, there, uh, you're waiting long times. Uh, so we need to improve that. And one thing that we said, which the original plan I agreed on, was as you're going down 99, uh, there's both uh, flyover from just around the hotel there over to the River Rock to reduce the need to go through the congestion at Costco and that area there. Craziness. And, uh, you know, uh, Mayor Brody said that he would support that. So we're all working together. We all have to really realize exactly, right. you know, that what we can only can do this together. And it'll put more pressure on the French government saying, because they've always said, well, if the mayors aren't on side, we're not going to touch it. Right. Well, the mayors are on side now. So, no, there's no argument And we have there. a solution. Now's the time to get going. Okay, it. so that's one option then. What are some of the other options that you agreed on? Like, what about another tunnel? Uh, they, the letter states that the preferred option of the members uh, that were involved is a tunnel. And one of the tu- uh, uh, ones that uh, was looked at by the, by the group of mayors and the First Nations chiefs was a deep bore tunnel. And that is built in Europe and other areas. It is feasible. I checked that out with other project engineers. It may be more expensive, but it is also faster. But more importantly, it wouldn't require such a federal environmental assessment because it's not touching the river. It's under the river bottom. And that wouldn't upset insofar as the traditional rights of the Musqueam the First and the Tawasin First Nations for their fisheries. Okay. Because right now the tunnel, my understanding is of the engineering, is it sits on the bottom of the riverbed. Is that right? It, in those days, you didn't have environmental assessments. So right. they actually just floated, they flooded it, set, made it go down and set it on the river bottom and then filled some... Uh, rocks everything on top uh, but that won't be allowed nowadays no. <laughs> and you know look at this picture this is a crack from 2008 and a crack in the t- you should uh, not be showing i'm me showing this it to you, you kidding and, me? and here's the concrete falling off the top and this was taken by our staff members who oh. went through about a year ago oh boy and i feel for the first responders our fire and i feel for our producer Dwayne because he's going to go through that tunnel well, in another I, couple I, hours <laughs> i do speed at times and it's when i'm going through the tunnel yeah um but the first responders i really feel for and we need a, a safer uh uh, crossing so and the, the new tunnels that you see in Europe, and I've driven through a number of them in the last couple of years. They're magnificent. How many lanes would that be? Six again, or well, we'd still want the same configuration. We do not want to build too many lanes. We need to make uh, individuals get out of their cars. Right. And again, if we're doing this asset, it's good for eighty to hundred years. What's a car going to look like? As, you know, as we were talking just off air, that my vision of the car is changing drastically. Yeah. There's going to be driveless cars available soon. Well, that tunnel, the tunnel was built, what, 1959, I think it was, is yeah. the year that it opened. So, yeah, they were just starting the era of the, the, the car, right, of getting around in the car. You're right. I don't think that's a question that we often ask no. is... So we got to do proper planning. We're building an asset, not for ourselves, but for our grandchildren, really. 
because that's the changing world for grandchildren when they get to be a driver, you know, age to drive a car. And you're particularly partial to that because you just had your first grandchild. Sure did. Beautiful Rania. <laughs> She's a beautiful little girl. I saw pictures. Uh, so that was the agreement. That so the, what you all agreed on is that the best way to approach this is a deep bore tunnel. That's uh, we said all options to be explored, and yeah. we wanted them, them to explore also the deep bore tunnel. Okay. So then, what happens with that letter? That letter's gone over to the Premier and the Minister of Transportation for their review. Um, I'm very pleased on the action that's happening, both at the Mayor's Council for TransLink and also through Sab Dollywell's leadership as Chair of Metro. Uh, he's structured a task force on this, and uh, we're meeting very shortly, and we want to get the collective uh, thoughts from a regional perspective. So that's very important, too, that this right. fits in the regional plan insofar as options. Because we seem to think that there's nothing going on with this replacement for the Massey Tunnel. But from what you're saying, George, is there's a lot going on behind the scenes. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. But, uh, you know, personally, it's sort of agnostic to the solution. But I'm really bullish on get get going and fix this congestion. Because we are we have problems in Tilbury and, and, and even on Nancy's Island. When there's a hiccup in the tunnel, Alex Fraser's plug. When there's a hiccup in Alex so Fraser, it's, it just bounces back and forth. And Patello. And I fully support building the Patello. In fact, both assets, the tunnel and Patello, should have been planned replacements from 20 years ago. And that's the short-sightedness, unfortunately, of the political world. You're just looking at your term of office versus what's necessary long-term. What you can stand in front of and get your picture taken before your term is up. I think that's what politicians look for, right? Of course, present company excluded. Uh, I still think of myself as a politician. (laughs) Do you? No, I don't. I was going to say, you just started this job. You were a city manager, so... What made you want to go into politics after all that? Because I wanted to do things that I couldn't get done as city manager. Oh. And to finish off my career, I I wanted to do this. So you thought, okay, was it frustrating for you at times then when you thought, okay, I think this is the best thing to do, but you had to, it was out of your hands at that point? It was, but I also had, a, over my long career, very good councils to work with, and we accomplished a lot. And as I mentioned, Burns Bog, that was a great one. That's right. Mayor Harvey is with us. Are you enjoying yourself? How are you doing? Very, it's great. So far, so good? I'd rather be on the golf course, but it's great. Well, who wouldn't? <laughs> I'd rather be on the golf course. And I don't even play golf that often. So yes, it's that kind of day, right? Uh, we are taking calls because we were talking about replacing the Massey Tunnel. And you were saying uh, it's going to happen, right? You, do you believe it's going to happen? Oh, it has to happen. Absolutely. And it, whether it's an eight-lane bridge or an eight-lane tunnel... We're moving in that direction. Yes, the province has committed um, to look at this, and um, I'm very happy uh, with the involvement of uh, Ravi Callan in the north and, of course, Ian Payton in the south. We have two great MLAs that are working very, very hard for our community, and this is at the top of their list, too. Okay, good to know. So what would you like to see? We're asking the people out there who drive, right, the commuters, the people who are on the roads. What do you think is going to work for that crossing? Let me start with Alex in Abbotsford. Hi, Alex. How's it going, you two? Hey, Alex. What did you want to say? Uh, I just, uh, I don't agree with a six-lane bridge, but eight-lane I can agree with because I think the rapid transit is absolutely brilliant, which is they should have done on the Portman Bridge because uh, some buddies and I coming from the valley. She's like, why can't they do a light rail all the way through? But then the far lanes, the far right lanes going towards River Road or towards um, Steveson, why not those as dedicated lanes just for those exits? Then you have the two through lanes for, for, uh, for regular traffic and the middle ones for either the emergency crews or as well right. as rapid transit. Well, you know what, Alex? Actually, that is what we talked about because it was six lanes for traffic, but you said, Mayor Harvey, two, two lanes. Two dedicated lanes uh, for oh, a rapid okay. bus at the beginning. My mistake on that one. Uh, but the important factor here, Alex, is that those two dedicated lanes for rapid bus in, in, at the beginning, they have to be engineered so they can be converted to if, light rail in the near future. 
right? That's an awesome idea. That'd be the way to go. Okay, thank you so much, Alex. Yeah, light rail, it seems to me like it, there's a lot of appetite for that, uh, whether it's out in the valley or like just to get people moving. Can you make that happen, do you think? Well, I think it, uh, this quarter, uh, quarter could uh, have light rail. And uh, yes, it can happen. And but again, it needs to be fit. It, every solution needs to fit into the regional context, and that is that we want all these projects the ability years down the road right. to connect together. Because my dream is thirty years from now we have a network that connects all of our region, all of Metro Vancouver. Let's talk to uh, one of your constituents, Victor in North Delta. Hi, Victor. Hi. What's your question? Uh, question. Uh, I bought here in 1976 a brand new house. I back onto this uh, freeway called Nordell Way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, engine brakes and pollution from the exhausts. And uh, I thought when the South Fraser Perimeter Road was built that the truck traffic would go there. And it hasn't. You're saying there's still a lot of noise, pollution. <laughs> yeah. 24-7. I know what you mean. I drive through there fairly often. That's exactly the case. So let's get, let, let Mayor Harvey answer that for a sec. Okay, Victor? Thank you. Okay, hold on. Well, thank you for the call. And it's important to know that we are suffering congestion insofar as a lot of truck traffic. We have a lot of goods movements going on throughout the region. But the real good thing is the province and the Port of Vancouver and the federal government are building a $250-plus million improvements to the Nordell Interchange. They're doing improvements in Alex Fraser Bridge. And along 80th, right now, those are two very congested areas of South Fraser Perimeter Road. And that's happening right now. And once that's completed, that should alleviate traffic, say, coming down Nordell, which is a quicker route to go right now. But it shouldn't be in the once future everything once is those done. projects are done. Is this like the 72nd uh, overpass, all of that being done? Right. And, you know, we went back to, uh, six years ago to Ottawa with Mayor Jackson of the day and myself. And uh, we said, you need to do this. It was actually taken out because they lost, they ran out of money funding as they were building that corridor improvements to go to the border. But fortunately, it was uh, put back on the books. It, and I think they did a marvelous job and they actually did it very quick. It was a great solution by the, uh, the federal government. Isn't that another example, though, of what you were talking about, George, is that we shortchanged these projects like 20, 30 years ago thinking, ah, it'll be fine. And then we learned to live with them and now we just can't live with them anymore. True. And with the South Fraser Perimeter Road, which has been great for our industrial growth and goods movements, they ran out of money, and that's why they couldn't build the proper interchanges. But fortunately, they did purchase the property, and fortunately, they did do preload. So now the $250 million plus is going to do that really good improvements and put it back to where it should have been in the first place. Okay, good. Let's get another call here. We have Jerry from Surrey. Hi, Jerry. How you doing? Good. What did you want to say? Build it. Build it now. <laughs> build it big. Yes, how you're big? Not, you're not going to get people out of their cars uh, until the transit comes in. And the transit's going to be after they build stuff. So they have to build it big and build it now. How big do you, you know? think? Oh, God. At, 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 at least four lanes for traffic each side. So you're you saying know, eight lanes of traffic and then yep. two lanes on top of that. So you're all for the original 10-lane yep. bridge. Make it go. Make it big. And when, and when they finally get light rail or, or um, SkyTrain through that area yep. and it's all connected, people will get out of their cars. But there's still going to be old guys that want to go golfing 
and they're not going to want to carry their clubs. Did you just oh, call I'm the mayor an old guy? Did you just call the mayor an old guy? Because he said he I wanted to be call golfing him an today. Old guy. I, I resemble that remark. <laughs> well, Jerry, okay. thank you very yeah. much for that. I have a feeling Jerry also spends a lot of time sitting in traffic. Do you get that feeling? Well, he's not alone. I, I have to sit in traffic too, and it, it's, it's frustrating. And again, we need a better, more reliable traveling time as an option to get people out of the car. If you have that, they will get out of the car. And again, we're not building this for my generation. We're building this for my grandchildren and uh, their parents. And they want to get out of the car. With the days of the mortgages and people struggling just to pay rent and also maybe for first-time purchases of homes, they need transit. And they need a fix of this congestion. Because right now, the pressure on families is huge. You don't know where they can go through that tunnel very quickly. And you don't have a reliable time of expected transit. So that's, we need to fix that. That is so true. You know, so many interesting things to talk about what's happening in Delta. So Mayor Harvey, thank you very much for spending this uh, day with us. Do you think sometimes Delta gets a little bit overlooked? I kind of like it the way it is. Oh. <laughs> keep under the radar. We've got a great community, great volunteers. The volunteers are amazing and uh, everybody likes it the way it is. Okay. So you're saying better to fly under the radar then be up there yelling for everybody to shoot targets at, that kind Absolutely. of thing. I hear you on that one. Well, we are going to talk about a bit of a controversial project in Delta. Uh, last year, Delta City Council gave its approval for a new casino in Delta. And you're going to see this if you travel Highway 99, because it's where the uh, Delta Town and Country is right now. And it's pretty sizable. Gateway Casino going to build this new facility, 500 slot machines. It's a $70 million project and uh, up to 700 new jobs there. Got the go-ahead from the BC Lottery Commission uh, last November. Uh, And it's still, you know, when you talk about casinos and money laundering and all the things that we've discussed, it's a bit of a controversial issue. There are a lot of concerns right now about what's going on in our casinos. So is the time right for another casino project here in Metro Vancouver? This is something that we've often talked to Sandy Garasino about. She's a columnist with the National Observer. She's very vocal on the issue issues of casinos in our communities. Here's what she has to say. So my concern about money laundering in the province and casinos is that we got way in over our heads really early in this game and we have never got control of it. And even with the German report on the casinos, it's clear that from media reports over and over and over again that we still haven't seen, got to the bottom of this problem. Um, my knowledge of organized crime uh, in Asia, the Macau model that has been replicated here in British Columbia, suggests to me that these are very, very entrenched criminal networks that have very deep roots and strong relationships inside the industry itself in some form. Those must exist. So my question to the mayor is when so many other political leaders have promised that they will control this, have promised that they will get to the bottom of it, what makes you, Mr. Mayor, able to assure British Columbians that with a startup casino, you're going to be able to do what everybody else has failed, what other professionals have failed at? And why should British Columbians believe that you're going to be able to achieve that? That's a very good question from Sandy Garasino. So, Mayor Harvey, what's the answer? Well, part of my election platform, and I'm the only one that actually did this, 
is promoting, promoting what happened uh, in New Zealand and now in Australia. And that's the concept of cashless casinos. And uh, we've sent letters to the province about that. Uh, we have a UBCM and FCM resolutions on those. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I was back in Ottawa talking to Minister Blair's staff. Unfortunately, he was called to the House of Commons and couldn't attend the meeting. But we mentioned our concerns with regards to the current system. Um, at a federal point of view, I think they're starting to get it now. And there was a great announcement between Minister Blair and Minister David Ebby, our Attorney General, just a few weeks ago. And I also have a scheduling a meeting uh, within the next number of weeks uh, with uh, David Ebby, to good minister, attorney general, uh, to discuss the subject with him. But I'm pushing the fact that we should, and it can't just be Delta, it has to be province total, pushing something, an alternative, such as cashless casinos that have worked in other parts of the world. What would that do then, a cashless casino? It operates then um, by cards, and so it eliminates the bags of money coming in. Totally eliminates that. So they would take no cash at all. Uh, they would actually have it. You'd, you'd be that it, it would be like a debit system on your card uh, through your bank account, and that that way it's worked extremely well in New Zealand. I wish I could have gone to New Zealand to actually see those, uh, but from the research I've done and my staff, it has and what you look at the results, it's helped and it's actually worked very well. So we just can't sit with the same system. And that's what I'm pressing both to Minister Blair and to our Minister Attorney General. Uh, AB, AB is that we need to change the system. Are you comfortable? Like, are you, are you a little bit uncomfortable with this idea, given everything we have learned about money laundering in casinos? Well, the casinos, uh, again, it's a provincial approval, but Delta Council did approve it. And full disclosure, I was city manager at the time. And when the opportunity came to put a bid or an expression of interest, if we didn't do an expression of interest, it was going to go to the Tuas and First Nations. They were ready to apply. Uh, we actually we applied and uh, we, uh, the expression of interest was not just for was just for that property. Uh, if they wanted to build it somewhere else, we wouldn't support it. Fortunately, the Delta Council years ago had the foresight to zone it right out as far as ga- gaming facilities. But overall, looking at uh, all the pluses and minuses, the fact that it would go to if we refused it, it would go to the TFN. Our Delta police under contract do the TFN policing. We would still have the problems, but the revenue and offset. Uh, wouldn't be would be theirs, not ours. How big is this going to be? It's it's sizable, but not oversized. It's it's uh, definitely not, nothing like the River Rock. So it's sort of like it, it'll fit quite well into that site. Uh, the traffic congestion will not happen. Uh, the peak times for the casinos are opposite to the peak commuting times. So I think overall it'll work. But we definitely need the province to step up, and this is why we're setting up the meetings. Uh, to look at an alternative solution for all of the casinos in BC. What have you heard from constituents on this? Do they want another casino? Actually, when we're door knocking, uh, there was people very strongly against it, but the majority didn't have an issue with it. And so when is this expected to be finished? Probably two years. Right. So do you hope that in that time frame, in that two years that you have before it's finished, that some of these changes that you want to see happen will happen? There has to be some changes. There's no question that organized crime has had a bit of a free-for-all for too many years and the province recognizes that and I have full confidence in our attorney general is going to do something. Have you talked to Delta Police about this? Because clearly they're going to have to police this. Anytime I go for meetings, uh, the, the, our good police chief, uh, Neil DeBoard, is with me back in Ottawa and when I meet the attorney general, he will be there with me. And is this something that they've raised concerns about? Insofar as the cashless, that's more of a federal jurisdiction, a right. federal problem. Um, but insofar as what happens, insofar as what we would be controlling, uh, they, they're, they're prepared for it. And uh, their experience in other jurisdictions and other casinos, from, aside from the, the, 
the money laundering aspect, which again is federal and provincial. Um, they don't really see too much of a problem, but we'll be well equipped and ready to go. Do, is there, do you think there's enough people out there, though, to support another casino? We've got the Starlight, right? We've got uh, the River Rock. We've got the one in Langley. I mean, there's all these, and the, we've got the Hard Rock as well. There's big casinos out there. Can we support another one? There's also gaming at home on your own computer. You can gamble on your own computer legally. So there's lots of other options. So it's a good question. Um, but again, it's not our risk, it's their risk. Uh, the property that exists now, the town and country, it was, was very old. And uh, we see that land is uh, having more of available use on it from a taxation point of view. There will be up to 500 people uh, with jobs associated with this, so that's a positive. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Will there be a hotel attached to that as well? So when they first started and they came to me, I said, as the city manager, I would only support applications going to council because uh, they wanted just to do the casino first and see how it goes. And I said, we wouldn't do that. We desperately need, as you know, from living in the yeah. Ladner area, we need more hotels. Yeah. So there is about a 120, 130 room hotel associated with it. That all has to be done at once. I'm so surprised, though, that there that wasn't part of the plan. Because as you say, that area really does need more hotels. Even as you, if you're heading to the ferries, a place to stop, any of that, that wouldn't be part of their business plan. Uh, I think it, it was part of their business plan, but they wanted to phase it. Right. So, and that's usually what happens. People like to phase things. But in this case, we we wanted the promise completed. Because a lot of times you get a promise there's going to be a hotel. The casino may not do so well, and that hotel would not be built. Right. But our our, our approvals and Delta Council's approvals is was for the complete project. So it had to be contingent upon you build this hotel as well. The building plans have to have the whole hotel included. Okay. Well, we're going to ask people about this too, because, you know, I have to give you the heads up here, George. Whenever we talk about casinos and money laundering in this province, the phones do light up. So here we are talking about, in a couple of years, a new casino opening up in Delta, right on Highway 99, uh, right there where the Delta Town and Country is. Do you think we need another casino? Like, what do you think about this project? 604-280-9898. You can weigh in with your thoughts on this, not just Delta residents, but everybody. Because I think most communities, is Delta one of the few communities that doesn't have a casino right now? Yes. Just about the only one. I think about it when I'm Pretty running sure through my head in, here. In the, yeah, in, within the greater Vancouver area, this, yeah. this area? Yeah. 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 That's right. We're talking a lot about Delta today. And in fact, we're going to be talking about some of the good things coming out of Delta coming up, uh, the good work the people in Delta are doing right now. We're talking about a new casino project that is moving forward on Highway 99, right there at the Highway 17 exit. You know where the Delta Town and Country is right now. So we're asking you, do we need another casino? With all the stuff about casinos and money laundering that's been in the news that have gotten people fired up over the last couple of years, is this a good idea, building another one? Let's go to Donna in Ladner. Hi, Donna. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. What did you want to say? I just want to say that I think the casino project is a great idea. Um, From a tax point of view, we spend a fair amount of money leaving Delta, sending our clients and customers that come to see us, and we send them to Richmond through the tunnel. Yep. So to have it stay in Ladner, Delta, South Delta would be great for us. You don't have to look at it as just the casino. I'm looking at it as a whole project, restaurants, hotel. We leave Ladner because there's no steakhouse here for us to go to. Again, we're leaving, we're leaving Delta to do this. We're going to Richmond. We're spending tax dollars or our money in Richmond. We live here. We'd like to spend it here. Oh, I so I so remember that, Donna. Thank you very much for that. Donna makes a really good point. Hasn't that always been the case, though? It feel like you're always getting had to go through the tunnel to go and do something, whether you wanted to go shopping at the mall or whatever the case. 
Well, it's changing now. We have Tawasin Springs where I live, and I just really enjoy walking down to the Tawasin Springs restaurant. Uh, we also have a great uh, Newman's uh, Fine Foods there and a great little coffee shop. So in Ladner, we're, we're expanding also in Tawasin. So we do have great places to you know, to, to eat and restaurants that are available for us. Uh, but in this, this project, the real thing that I really liked was, if, again, was the, the hotel because we're short of hotel space. We only have one hotel. And they actually... In reduced, all of South Delta? In all of South Delta. And they actually reduced that and uh, took a number of rooms out and built a care center, which we needed a care center too. But if the casino doesn't work, at least we still have the hotel. You mentioned about is, is it viable? I don't know. It's, you know. it's their business plan, not the city's. Uh, but we really pushed and we made sure that that hotel was built at the same time as the casino. And I'm looking forward for when you have weddings or, or family events or gatherings or sporting events, we're sending people to, to Richmond. Now yeah. they can stay in Delta. That is so true. That has always been the case, right? People in that area, you leave that area to go and spend your money, as Donna was saying there too. Uh, so that is likely uh, going to change. What is that, a couple of years away? I'd say two years. Yeah. And speaking of Ladner, because Donna was from Ladner, and since uh, I lived there, and that's where City Hall is, is Ladner due for some upgrades, some changes? Because it seems to me there's a lot that could go on in that what used to be a sleepy little town. It's not sleepy, and not anymore. And we've had a tremendous transition of young people moving into the community. Uh, you know, Ladner was probably more affordable uh, with the older housing stock for people wanting to do their first purchase. And a lot of the young families I know that have actually moved. And we want our young children that moved out of Delta to come back in. And that's one of our platforms is ensuring that we have affordable options uh, for the first-time buyers and for the seniors that want to downsize. Uh, we have a great work going on with a committee that was just established by myself. And it's like a task force. Uh, it has uh, Councillor Kruger and Councillor McDonald, uh, one of our younger members of council, and one of our, our more experienced members of council on the Ladner Waterfront Revitalization. We need oh, to take that on. Hallelujah, And what I, what I said in the meeting with them <laughs> uh, yesterday, let's put, let's put everything on the table. I am determined to get this done this year. And they'll be reporting back in September. We've got community members that have been appointed that are live in the area, work in the area, and are passionate about this too. And we're going to bring back to council some options for development. If there is not interest, at the end of the day, if the plan doesn't have the ability for development community to be interested from a profit point of view, it's not going to happen. So we need to ensure there's redevelopment potential along with this project to ensure that that waterfront area gets redeveloped. Yeah, what's happened? Like, what has been that holdup? Because essentially the waterfront area of Ladner, which is very picturesque, you look what they're doing over in Steveston versus what they have done in Ladner right across the water, it's like night and day. Absolutely. Well, we've ran into problems, and uh, I was fortunate when I was city manager to purchase the Seven Seas properties and properties next to that. So we own property there, which you have to do, but we never intended to keep it sitting there for 10 to 15 years. It was bought for the purchase of assisting uh, consolidation for development. But we ran into problems with both uh, you know, the, the provincial governments with regards to extending a water lot lease, and not only Delta. I mean, all the people that have water lot leases with houseboats and that have had problems. But for us, they only offered two years. How can you Why? do a redevelopment in two years? That's a good question. And <laughs> we've argued and argued with them. So I, what I've said is, enough. We're not waiting anymore. Let's look at options like closing the street down, moving the developable property lines on the water side out into the street. All those things I want on the table. And we want this great community task force to report back and say, here's our options that we'd recommend. And then we go to the community for public consultation. And then I want to see some action happening next year. 
Is it fair to say then there's definitely some changes on the way? Absolutely, there has to be changes. There's a, lot of, there's a number of people, and I respect their opinions. They don't want to see any change, but it's rotting. And, you know, we have a really viable Ladner right now. Oh, and it's And when so you beautiful. look at the work that the Ladner Business Association, it's incredible. And they're busy. But that street needs to contribute to the viability of the Ladner. When you first came into the mayor's chair and you looked around, like what was the what were some of the big priorities that you were like, I'm dealing with that and I'm dealing with that? Like what were the things in your mind that had been building that you really wanted to deal with? Very concerned about the attraction of uh, our youth to gangs. And unfortunately in areas of Delta, we've had youth as, age, as, or as young as 10 years being attracted to the gangs. And one of the policies that uh, we wanted to put in as a, as, and during the election and supported by all of council, of course, is ensuring our kids are kept busy. And we're the only, as far as I know, we're the only province, our city, that in this province and probably Canada, and starting July 1st, our council will be approving um, that anybody who's from age 10 to 18 or grade 5 to grade 12 will be given free rec passes. Really? We want to keep our kids busy. And on the... Subject affordability, when we talk to people on the streets and talk to young parents, they would really appreciate it because, again, it's, it's very it's tough in today's world, paying your mortgage and trying to also fund activities for your children. So is that like free ice skating, free pools, free, you name it? Yeah. And at the same time, we're increasing our staffing in our facilities to make huh. sure that, they're, that the kids are organized. And yes. Because <laughs> it's necessary. And I, was, I wasn't the best kid when I was there at that age either. So having somebody with some experience handling youth, like a youth worker, right. is going to be very helpful. But and, just keeping kids busy, that's the key. Our peace police chief, Neil DeBoard, he's just all for this. The more we can do to keep those kids away from the influence of gangs, we're, we're helping families. The other thing is, is with regards to the seniors, um, we're the only city that actually has seniors buses. We have one up really? in North Delta and one in South Delta, and it runs out of our Parks and Rec program. So they will you'll sign up for the bus. It'll actually take you to your doctor or shopping. But we're expanding. We're going to have, by the end of next year, we'll have four seniors buses, two you in the keep, south, two in the north. You keep doing this kind of stuff, and it's not going to be flying under the radar for much longer. While we're learning a lot about Delta today, a lot that I'm sure people out there were going, I didn't know that about Delta. But it's true, even though the mayor, George Harvey, would rather that we keep a lot of it on the down low, right? That's right. You've been telling me all these great things, but you don't want everybody to find out about this Delta stuff. No, we, we're, we're really happy the way we are. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about the um, the free rec passes for kids between 10 and 18? 10 and 18. So I'm really proud of my council supporting. Uh, and again, it's uh, what we want to do is ensure we're doing everything possible to keep our kids away from gangs. We've got to keep them busy. And talking to a number of parents, uh, council supported the idea of us providing every child in Delta uh, that's between that's ages of 10 idea. and 18 and it. also grade 5 to grade 12 free rec passes for our centers. I love that idea. And also during the commercial break, you just quickly mentioned as well that you've got some work going on some kind of recovery centers for Delta as well. One of my own personal objectives and as being mayor and what I want to accomplish in my term is when during the election and even before the election, families that are dealing with addiction problems feel very much left alone. And Julie's been giving me some extremely good advice on this. And uh, I would like to see a long-term recovery program for Delta, and because right now Delta residents that look for help, they have to go outside of Delta. Yeah. And we're a city now, we're a population of over 100,000. This is a resource that we must have for our people. When he said Julie, conveniently, Julie's right here. Julie Chadwick, the Executive Director of Delta Assist. Hi, Julie. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. What kind of work does Delta Assist do? 
Well, okay. In a nutshell, that's a lot. Yes. Um, we have two main branches. One is counseling and one is community services. So we have counseling for substance use, for domestic violence, for families, for seniors, for child and youth suicide prevention. And we do a lot of community services. For example, we have a lot of Christmas programs, our toy depot. Last year, we gave out 800 to 866 children toys, um, over great. 650 hampers. We run income tax programs, pro bono clinics. We have tons of services hmm. for seniors. So you're essentially busy all the time. Is that Pre- right? Pretty much like 380 years, 80 <laughs> days of the year. <laughs> now I know all about Delta Assist and that's the thing is that the work that Delta Assist does is very well known. And do you think that's because of, I find the community of Delta to be quite tight knit. It, it is. And I, and I think that there's, there's so many great things about the community of Delta. It's extremely generous and giving and caring um, without the donations from the people in Delta and also the support of the city of Delta, we couldn't do what we do. Have you seen a need, like an increase in need for your services? Yes. Um, since the recession, um, we have noticed be prior to that with our community donation fund, we were able to do things like get people glasses or do things like that. Now it's emergency bags of food, and we actually have four different kinds of emergency bags of food that we give out on practically a daily basis. Really? Yeah. People are really struggling that way, um, and so we are also, um, we have a community garden in our back parking lot, and so we're planting soon, so we'll be giving out that produce as well once a week to people so that... It makes a real difference. People have come up to me and said, this loaf of bread means that I can buy a bus ticket. That's a huge difference. It is a huge difference to people. So, you know, I mean, and the the generosity coming from the, the citizens of Delta helps us do these things. And George, do you think that is what is different than in Delta when you look at it? Is that you have this great organization like Delta Assist and everybody knows what Delta Assist does. Like I remember, you know, Delta Assist as well. And the people rally around it. Absolutely. And one of our financial and our financial plan, we need to provide and we recognize this more financial assistance to Delta Assist and our other community groups. I can't imagine trying to operate programs based upon funding grants. How do you hire staff? Where's the certainty in employment? Where's the certainty in your income? And so that is our mandate that we will be providing more assistance to our community groups that do great work. I must say about Julie, she's just done tremendous work over many years with Delta Assist. They help so many people. And they do it without asking for very much. Uh, but I'm there for them. And we've had some great communication between us. I was there on the coldest night of the year walk yeah. and uh, talking to people. But it's, again, it's Delta's known for people helping each other. What is the coldest night of the year walk? Oh, well, it's, it's a national event. And uh, we were asked to do it uh, last year. And we go out on a very cold night, usually on February, and we walk, and it's for people that are homeless or are struggling. We uh, And very often, a lot of those people struggling are seniors. Um, they're on fixed income. Um, they don't have a lot of money. And so what we do is we use part of that money to support our programs that serve seniors so that we can make sure that they're getting the help that they need. Right. Are there homeless, is there a homeless problem in Delta? Yes, there is. And where is that focused on? Where where do you find that? Where's the homeless population? Uh, it's it's pretty sporadic. Yeah. Um, we don't have, fortunately, uh, we don't have the uh, situations that are in other cities, and I really feel for them. Uh, but when we do find individuals that are homeless, we will provide, uh, a, uh, we'll actually 
take them in their in our cars and uh, police cars or bylaw cars will take them to a shelter and give them assistance and try to see whatever you know the community groups like Delta Sis can do to help them. Julie's nodding her head. So this sounds like something you're very familiar with. Yeah, it's it's not, and George is really right. It's not a visible um, issue, but there it's, it's a lot of couch surfing. It's people sleeping in their cars or living in a garage, things like that. Um, and I really appreciate that, you know, Mayor Harvey is, is really taking a good look at this because, you know, those are people in our community that need our help and um, they might not be as visible. So it's sometimes hard to find them. Yeah. So once we do find them, then they can be, you know, given support and help, which is great. And that's what we do. And so what can you do for them then if they, if they are homeless? What kind of, where do you point them to? What kind of support do they get? So we would start looking around at the shelters that are available, number one. Um, they may need some other kinds of assistance, like medical assistance. So they may have been on the street for a while or not in housing for a while and have kind of neglected their health. So we can reach out to Fraser Health for assistance. You know, we can basically do a global assessment and see what it is that they need. We can tide them over with some emergency food, let them know where the food banks are, those kinds of things to help out. Um, but we would be drawing on right. not only our community's resource, but possibly like a regional resource like Fraser Health, because Fraser Delta is part of Fraser Health. Yeah. Speaking of which, though, let me ask you about Delta Hospital then. While I have you here, are you happy with the size of Delta Hospital serving the community? Considering that if there is a really big problem, people have to go to either Richmond or Surrey. Delta Hospital is doing a great job. Our f- community supports Delta Hospital so much in dollars and in volunteer type uh, time. Uh, we can never relax about the hospital. We have to continue increasing its services. Uh, because I was around the days that Gordon Campbell, the premier of the day, was ready to, to shut the doors. And fortunately, uh, the community rose up against that. Um, But we can't relax. We need to ensure that our community continues to support, which they are. Our Delta Hospital Foundation is magnificent. And uh, the more capacity and more programs and more services we provide, that will make it more difficult for the government today in the future to close. That seems almost crazy when you think about it, right? Because you're telling people then who live there, all those tens of thousands of people, that you're going to have to go through a tunnel or uh, go over to a bridge to get serious medical help. Especially with our size of the BC Ferries, the biggest port in Canada, Tilbury Industrial Area, and Anasis. Yeah. Th- those require a hospital also. Uh, the hospital is the key central function for a city. And fortunately, we got, I guess, again, it's working out great. Uh, we almost lost it, um, but we can't relax. As I mentioned before, we need to continue supporting it and expanding it where possible. Well, Julie, I want to thank you for being with us today. We really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Where can people get more information about Delta Assist? They can go on our website, www.deltaassistwith1a.com. <laughs> Looks like Delta Assist, right? Yes. Not not two separate words. <laughs> Deltaassist.com is where you can find more info. Julie, thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we have just two winners today. We're not going to do any losers. So I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i got a winner, and Mayor George Harvey has a winner. My winner today, I love this story. It is the uh, people from the Guru Teg Bahadur Sikh Temple in Clearwater, B.C. Uh, the community has really shrunk over the years. They used to have something like 55 Sikh families in Clearwater. That's down to about five today because of lumber layoffs and closures and all that kind of thing. So what they decided to do was... They sold the property for the Gudwada that they had there, the temple, and gave away all the money. 
So they gave away $164,000 to local organizations, the local ski hill, the skating club, the food bank, and the mayor of Clearwater, Merlin Blackwell, says they are overwhelmed by this. And the room just, you know, just came apart. It was, uh, it was so emotional and, you know, grown men were shedding tears. It was amazing. Oh, gosh, I wish I could have been here to see that because that would have been unbelievable. So, yes, we're saying the Temple community in Clearwater, they are our winners of the day. And now George has a winner of the day, too, don't you? And, of course, it's from Delta. Of course. (laughs) The Orphan Wildlife Society, that's OWL, is a Delta-based rehab facility for raptors. The society takes care of injured raptors and aims to teach the public more about their special patients through educational programs and on tours of the OWL grounds. Our intern, Max, had a chance to chat with Rob Ho, the Raptor Care Manager at the Owl Society. Could you tell me how the Orphaned Wildlife Rehabilitation Society started? We started back in 1985. We just specialize in birds of prey, eagles, hawks, owls, falcons, vultures, and ospreys. There was no uh, specific raptor rehab within the lower mainland, and OWL basically turned into a raptor rehab centre, and that's all we get now is raptors, and we get them from all over the province. What kind of funding do you get? Is it like volunteer? Is it city funding? We get uh, private donations, and uh, we do get some corporate. Is the major amount of our fundraising that, that happens here at the facility as well as volunteer hours for helping the animals. We rely uh, on volunteers quite, uh, quite a bit just to take care of the amount of animals we get and everything that happens here. What can people in Delta do if they find an injured bird? If they find an injured bird of prey, we are on call 24 hours. If they see it, we ask that, you know, we get a, people call us and let us know. What we ask from the public, of course, is... Um, if somebody can stay with the animal and at least keep eyes on it at the minimum, just because oftentimes when we send a volunteer out, if the bird's reported and we send somebody out and the bird has moved, oftentimes we're not able to find it. That's uh, the easiest and simplest way to do it. And then if people are comfortable getting him uh, or her wrapped up in a towel and put into a box or a dog crate and then giving us a call. And we have volunteers all over the province that uh, will be able to help out with transporting the birds to the facility here. Oh, that is so cool. Love the work that they do at OWL. For more information, check out their website, owlrehab.org. They've been around forever, it feels like, doesn't it? Great people. Yeah. Just great. Do you ever go out there and maybe hang with the owls? I used to with the kids. And, uh, of course, uh, they come to our community events a lot. So you get to see the owls then. And it's just packed with kids. And it's such an educational experience for them. It is a lot of fun. And myself. Yeah, I know. It's a lot of fun. If you've ever been out there, you definitely should. Uh, So your time's almost up here. Have you enjoyed yourself today? It's been great. Yeah? Was it, like, easier than you thought it was going to be? It was It was. Wonderful. I enjoy talking to people and I very much enjoyed how easy you made it for me. Wow. Yeah, you really are a politician now. I think you've gone all in, George. (laughs) (laughs) You're no longer a city manager. You're right in there as politician. Uh, You've only been in the job for six months. What's on the agenda for the next six months? Completing our our promises. Uh, You know, again, working with regards to achievable housing. We've got a lot of projects on the go. uh, public hearings, development, those types of things, um, but also making sure I'm available to listen. But one thing I really like doing, as I mentioned, I love going to the schools and being with the kids. 
that is an excitement that I just wait for. They must for. be so excited to meet the mayor. They are. It's it's interesting. They are. But yeah. and you know what? They're smart. <laughs> They're really smart. <laughs> They're going to have your job one day. They will. Do they? Do they ever tell you that? Does anybody ever want to be the mayor when you ask them? Uh, when they get to sit in my seat, yeah, yeah because they like the big TV that's there. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day it'll be theirs. Well, Mayor Harvey, thank you so much for joining uh, us today. It's been my pleasure. Thank yeah, you. It's been come, great. Come back and see us anytime.